0: Take your Bibles, almost the very end of it, the little epistle of 3 John. As you know, it's 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, then Jude, then Revelation. It's right near the end of the Bible. Uh, We have been preaching our way through 3rd John. Normally, it's on Sunday mornings. Yet, uh, as I prepared this, I felt impressed that this was a Sunday night message that I think will help us. I trust that you'll take notes tonight. I think that uh, these things could be of help. And I think that this is the last message from 3 John. It's the sixth one in the series, and after this we'll shift to another book, but 3 John. And I'd like us tonight to begin by reading the last two verses. So 3 John, verse 13, verse 14, and then we'll have a word of prayer. So again, 3 John, verse 13 and 14, if we could read that together, reading that out loud, beginning in verse 13. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Great the friends by name. Let's pray. Father, again, we're so thankful that we could gather again tonight, thankful for this great report from Safina about Bolivia. And Lord, we pray that there will be eternal fruit from that trip, Bless her. Bless all of our church folk that helped make it possible for her to go financially, prayerfully. And now, Lord, as we look yet one more time into this book of Third John, would you teach us yet one more truth? Help us to bring this little book together. May this be practical and helpful. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, What do we know about 3 John? We know it was written by the Apostle John. We know that it was written late in John's life. He's probably 70 or 80 years of age at this time. It seems at this late time in John's life, he is in some kind of a traveling ministry. He is probably going from church to church to church, preaching in those churches encouraging each of those churches, kind of like an evangelist would do. And I think that there is evidence to suggest some of the people in this church, John himself, has led to Christ. I think that you could make the point that John has led this man Gaius to Christ, probably led others. Also, it's possible that John was the one that started this church years ago. And so, as John is traveling, somewhere in his travels, he finds a need for him to write back to this church and the people of this church. Just to remind you, there are four main characters in this book. First one is the author of the letter. The author of the letter is John. Look there in verse number one the elder that's john you say how do you know it is called third john it's the third epistle of john so one of the four characters in this little letter is john the second of the characters in this letter is a faithful man in this local church his name is gaius look again at verse one the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. So here's a man in the church, and again, I think that John has led him to Christ years earlier. This man is faithful in the church. So, so far we have two, John who wrote the letter, Gaius who the letter was written to. There is a third character that we find in 3rd John. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, I wrote unto the church, but diatrophies every time that word but shows up something has just shifted something has just changed directions the first eight verses talk about the blessing that Gaius is in his church but diotrophies. there is this man in this church that is creating some kind of problems And so we have John the writer, we have Gaius, the one who this is written to, we have yet a third in this church, his name is Diotrephes, and the fourth one that we have is found there in verse 12, Demetrius. The Bible says, Demetrius hath a good report. Now, I am suggesting to you that this was written to one local church, And that Gaius and Diotrephes are both in this local church. John's not. John is simply intending to visit. I would suggest that Demetrius is not part of this church. See, Pastor, why do you think that Gaius and Diotrephes were both part of the same church? Because the term "the church," the church, the church—it never says the churches. It never says another church. It never talks about another assembly. Look there, if you would, in verse number six. Uh, which have borne witness, talking about Gaius, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. I think that's the church that Gaius is a part of. Look there in verse number nine. I wrote unto the church. There's no reason to think that that's a different church. I wrote unto the Church, but doctrines. I look there in verse number 10, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth. John is writing this to Gaius, that's why he's using third person, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Again, it keeps talking about the church. I think that Gaius was in this church. I think that Diotrephes was in this church. And uh, again, I think it's the same church. Now, I think if you have followed with us to this point as we preach through 3 John, this is a church that's going through troubles right now. I don't think it would be a stretch at all if you read 3 John that in this church is a good Gaius. But in this church is also a troublesome Diotrephes. So this church is going through troubles. Now, I don't have to tell you if you have been in church or in churches in your life. Every church eventually has some kind of trouble. Sometimes it is small trouble, meaning the church is so small, it, it, it's limited in what it can do. It might be small trouble. Uh, it might be sin trouble. It might be someone stealing the finances. It might be there's an accusation against someone's character. There might be fighting in the church. There might be brawling in the church. Sometimes a church goes through small trouble. Sometimes a church goes through sin trouble. Sometimes a church goes through sedition trouble. Someone's trying to take it over. Uh, sometimes a church goes through sensual trouble. There, there is some sensuality that is taking place. Sometimes a church goes through sight trouble. Uh, they, they, all they see is their own needs. And they can't see needs afar. They, they can't see a foreign country they can't see missions and a need for people in bolivia they can't see needs in china and and needs in japan and they they, they have a sight problem some churches all of their efforts and all of their finances spent on here and now and they cannot see far off other churches have a different sight problem they have a great burden for missions foreign But they're not trying to reach their own Jerusalem. They're not trying to reach those in their own city. Sometimes a church has structural trouble. There's either no leadership in the church or someone's trying to run into God never placed there. There's no fellowship amongst people. So you say, well, preacher, I'm glad Golden Plains Baptist Church has never had any of those troubles. I wish we could say that. Every church goes through troubles and so if if in a year from now you're not here and you're in another church they'll go through troubles if you were in a different church a year ago i guarantee they had troubles well preacher what is the particular trouble in this church we've already seen it but just again to remind some that haven't been with us in this series verse nine the bible says i wrote unto the church but diatrophies so john had in past he had written a letter to this local church and john who of course had led some of these people to christ maybe john started this church some time ago john wrote a letter notice he says i wrote under so john had written a letter sometime in the past And in that letter, he wrote that he was planning to come visit this church again. Again, he led some to Christ, and so he loved this church. He loved the people in this church, and these people loved him. There was a a bond between John and these people. Again, verse number 9, it wrote unto the church, But Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. So when Diotrephes, and it would seem that he had some position of leadership. Uh, We're not told what it is. Some think he was the pastor. Some have suggested he was a deacon. Some have suggested maybe he was a teacher of a class. Some have suggested maybe during those early days they met for church in people's homes. Maybe this church met in Diotrephes' home. Uh, Regardless, it seems like he had some authority And uh, so when John, so excited and and said, you know, I'm coming and and we're coming, I'm going to bring fellow missionaries with us, look at the end of verse number 9. It said, Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. He did not want John to come. This Diotrephes, again, whatever position he had, he wanted the preeminence. He wanted people to see him, to notice him. He wanted the limelight. He wanted his voice to be heard. And when he heard that John was coming and some of John's co-workers were coming, he said, nothing to him. He said, I am not letting that man come to this church. And uh, if that wasn't enough, that he wasn't planning to be hospitable, look at verse 10. Uh, Wherefore, if I come, John says this, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. So, not only was Diotrephes trying to stop John from coming and John's co workers, he was using malicious words malice, hateful, hurtful, Uh, malicious words, not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would. So, not only was he intending to stop John from coming and stop John's buddies from coming. He was using malicious words to hurt them, and he was forbidding them. And anyone else that expressed an excitement about John coming, boy, Dr. Fees was against that. Folks, that's the trouble in this church. And you say, well, preacher, what are we looking at? Incidentally, we call it (laughs) power-grabbing. It certainly, this isn't the first time it's ever happened. One day, Lucifer in heaven, he might have had the fourth position in heaven. He might have. But he wasn't satisfied with that. He wanted more. You know that uh, Korah, the Bible says Korah, he he was of the favored tribe of Levi, but one day he decided, I want more. We know that Absalom, the son of King David, grew up in the palace. One day he decided, I want more. So, to bring our series on Third John to a close, I'd like to preach on this message: "Some bees." That's letter B. Some bees amidst church troubles. Now, you say, "Well, preacher, I, I don't need this now and here because we don't have any troubles." <laughs> Good for you. One day, you might be in a church that does, and say, "Preacher, what do we do? How do I handle this? Uh, what's the plan of action?" Could I give you some Bs tonight? If you're ever in a part of a church that's going through some kind of a church trouble, John has given in these 14 verses some advice for what Gaius ought to do in the church that he's having trouble. Let's begin there, if you would, with verse number 9. John writes here to Gaius, I wrote unto the church, but the atrophies who loveth have the preeminence among them receiveth us not. Preacher, my church is so important in my life, any kind of church trouble really makes me sick to my stomach, but I just don't know what's going to happen, I don't know how this is going to end, what should I do? Could I give first be, if you're taking notes, write this down, Be confident. Be confident. So how could I be confident in a church trouble? Because although you might not know everything that's happening, God knows everything that's happening. Could I say, first of all, be confident in, and uh, again, I, I know I'm trying to hurry because my time is short to begin with, But be confident God knows what's happening. If you are thinking that you are going to get your hands on all the information and and figure everything, you're going to be vastly disappointed. But isn't it good to know that there is somebody that knows everything that's happening? And that's God. Do you know when Lucifer, uh, I used him as an example just a moment ago, When Lucifer was raising an anarchy against God himself, Isaiah 14, that didn't take God by surprise. God didn't say, how did that one happen? God knew. When when Korah was trying to drum up the help of Dathan of Iram on and 250 others, Moses didn't know as that was getting closer. But God knew. You know, as Absalom was trying to rally 200 others to his cause, David didn't know until it all came to light, but God knew. And so I say, first of all, and I'm trying to hurry, <laughs> allow me this, be confident that God knows what's happening. You know, throughout the Bible, we're reminded that God knows. Joshua 22:22, the Lord, God of gods, he knoweth. Psalm thirty-seven, eighteen: The Lord knows the days of the upright. Psalm ninety-four, eleven: The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man. Psalm one, six: For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Something doesn't look right about that. Quote: Second uh, Timothy two, nineteen: The Lord knoweth them that are His. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you ever heard this before. I did. The first time I heard it was fascinating. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? God's not surprised with anything. God, nothing ever sneaks up on God. God knows the end from the beginning, and He knows the end at the beginning. God always knows what's coming. And if you believe that God's in control, if you're a church that has trouble, you can relax. Because although you don't know, God knows. So first of all, be confident. Be confident. God knew here in verse number 9 what Diotrephes was up to. God knew in verse number 9 that Diotrephes wasn't about to receive John. God knew from verse number 10 about the malicious words that Diotrephes was saying. God knew from verse number 10 that Diotrephes was forbidding others to be welcoming to John. God knew all that. Now, folks, we quote this verse, but it's a whole lot harder to live it than to quote it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. That means there's times where you will not understand what's happening. But in verse 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Trust him. Pastor, I don't know what to do. First of all, be confident God knows what's happening. I give you a second thing. Look again at verse 9. I, this is John speaking, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, look at verse 10, if I come, I will. Say, Pastor, what's, what's the second? Again, John wrote his first letter. And for whatever reason, Diotrephes got the first letter. And Dr. Fies, when he got it, he said, "John is not coming here, his buddies are not coming here, whether he ripped it up, whether he tore it up, whether we don't know what Dr. Fies did with that first letter, but he wasn't about for John to come. Do you know as much as God knows what's happening? God was already moving the pieces that were necessary to fix this problem. So even though John wrote the first letter and it wasn't received, God knew that. And that's why John, here, look again in verse number 10. Wherefore, if I come... This is now a second letter that John has written. What we know as Third John is John's second letter that's being mailed to this church. The first one... The atrophies got a hold of it, and again, whether he tore it up, whether he crumpled it up, God knew that. And so God said, John, your letter didn't make it through. So I want you to write a second letter. And so John writes a second letter. This time, this second letter that he writes, he has this one sent to Gaius, that, that good member in the church. Look again in verse 1 the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius. So the second letter that we know as Third John, the second letter is being addressed now to Gaius, not just the church in general. That was the first letter. It didn't get through. God has John write a second letter. The second letter he has written by Gaius, and, and I said there was four key members. Uh, the, the fourth one is Demetrius. Look at verse 12. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. I'm suggesting as much as John was not a part of this church, he may have started it, he may have led many people to the Lord in it, John wasn't a part of this church. I would also suggest that Demetrius wasn't a part of the church either. I think that Demetrius traveled with John, and Demetrius is the one that John asked to deliver this letter, this second letter now. Say, preacher, why would you say that? Because John takes all of verse 12 to give a high commendation about Demetrius. Why would he have to do that if Demetrius was already a part of this church? But John is saying, Gaius, Demetrius is bringing this letter, and Demetrius hath good report of all men. If he was in this church, John wouldn't have to write that stuff. So he says to, to, to Gaius, I would just want you to know this man that's delivering this letter, Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself, yea, and all, we also bear record. Again, what I'm saying to you, secondly, if you'd write this down, first was be confident. God knows what's happening. Second is be convinced that God has his people in place to fix it. Again, be convinced that God has his people in place to fix it. Listen, God not only knows in church difficulties what's happening. God's already going about the fix. Do you know God cares more about the church than you care about the church? Do you know God cares about every local church more than even those in the local church? And someone messes with a church. You can take comfort from the fact that God is already moving the pieces that are necessary to take care of that need. God has already informed the elder apostle John what's happening. God has already got John to write a second letter and wisely deliver it a different way than Jerusalem Post. And so, again, you say, well, pastor, when a church has trouble, what do you do? First of all, be confident. God knows what's happening. Secondly, be convinced. God has his people in place to fix it. i give you a third thing. Look there in verse 11. Verse number 11. Now, keep in mind, John's writing this little letter to Gaius, that good man in the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Could I say third, be careful? Now, we're talking about what you're doing in church trouble. Third thing is be careful. You say, be careful about what? I'll give you the whole thing, then it'll make sense. Be careful that you're not led away by that evil crowd. Be careful that you're not led away by that evil crowd. Whatever Diotrephes was in this church, he was an evil influence. Be careful that you're not led away by that evil influence. Now, as soon as I say that, there are some very self-confident Christians say, Preacher, you don't have to worry about me. I am not going to be led astray. Pastor, I've been saved for a long time. I don't need to be warned like that. Could I suggest to you that's a very naive approach in church trouble? Who was 3 John written to? Help me. Gaius. Gaius, a good man or a bad man? Good man. John wrote to Gaius, who's a good man. Look at verse 11 again. He wrote to him, beloved, follow not that which is evil. He said, Gaius, I know you're a good man. I know that you're faithful in your church. I know that you love your church. I know that you serve in your church. I know that you open your door and you're hospitable when God's people and God's ministers and God's missionaries come through. But Gaius, as good of a Christian as you are, look again at verse 11, He said, beloved, that's to Gaius, this good man, follow not that which is evil. Do you know what that clearly says? good people can be led astray. Good people can be talked out of a position that they're following. And so he says, follow not that which is evil. So for you or I to say, you don't have to worry about me, Yes, we do have to worry about you. If John was worried about Gaius, every Christian ought to be worried that they are not led astray. Pastor, how would I recognize who I should not be led astray by? Well, he helps us to understand verse uh, verse number 10. John says, wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth. What kind of deeds? Look here, prating against us with malicious words. Folks, you need, your antenna needs to be up when someone comes to you with malicious words. Words to hurt and words to hate and words to undermine a church. You need to be careful about that. Malicious words. Keep reading, verse number 10. Not only malicious words, not content therewith, neither did himself or see the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Diotrephes' ambition was to get some people that loved John out of this church. So when you start hearing malicious words with the intent of getting you out of the house of God, you better be careful. Folks, better people than you and I have been led astray. Now, in John's days, and, and instantly, malicious words are poison. None of you would go to a medicine cabinet. Let me put it different. None of you would go to a cleaning closet and open up a jug of Javex and drink it. None of you would. That's why we lock it up so children that are naive can't get to that stuff. Pastor, why? Because it's poison. You would not purposely drink poison. Diotrophy's words were poison. Now, they were words that he said to people. Now, again, we're following this third thing. Be careful that you're not led away by that evil crowd. When somebody is trying to put poison in your ears, that's the time to say no. That's the time to stop. Uh, Not only would some diatrophies do it with words that they say, some would do it with words that they write. Now, folks, I say this because we're in a day and age of social media. We're in a day and age where you would never have to listen to someone's spoken words and yet they could pour poison just as successfully into your heart with texting and with WhatsApp and with TikTok and with Instagram and I have no idea what I'm even talking about. If someone picks up the phone starts to tell you poison, that's the time to hang up the phone. If someone texts you, and what they're texting is poison to hurt your church, that's the time to block them. Well, pastor, they've been such a good friend, they're trying to hurt you with poison lock them. That would be true if they're your closest friend. That would be true if they're your tax collector. (laughs) That would be true if they are your mechanic. That would be true if they are your barber. That would be true if they are the teller at your bank. If they're trying to put Poison in your heart to turn you against your church. You can't listen to that. You say, Pastor, I can. I'm mature enough. I can handle it. It will destroy you. I've given so far, preacher, what do I do in a church problem? First of all, be confident God knows what is happening. Secondly, be convinced that God has his people in place to fix it. Third thing is be careful that you are not led away by that evil crowd. Quickly, let me give you a fourth thing. Look at verse 14. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Great friends by name. I give you the fourth thing. Be comforted. I'll give you the rest of it in a minute. Be comforted. Pastor, I'll give you comfort in a church trouble. Do you know, do you know what the devil wants to convince you in the midst of a church problem? That you're the only one. That everybody Else, is against you. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to convince you that you are the only one that doesn't see the light. You are the only one that hasn't grasped the truth. And so the devil wants to isolate you. Do you know what John was writing to this man, Gaius, who is a good man in his church? John was saying, Gaius, you are not alone. There are lots of people that love you and love your church. You are not alone. Would you write this down, number four? Be comforted. You are not alone. You have many friends with you. Again, be comforted. You're not alone. You have many friends with you. Do you know, and look at it, verse 14. uh, Last part of the verse, verse 14. John says to this Gaius, that's who these letters are written, Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Now, think about this. John is writing this letter. No idea where he's writing from. And no idea where this local church he's writing to is. But John's saying, look at again, the end of verse fourteen, John is saying, our friends salute thee. Now we just only recognize salute from the Army, Air Force, whatever, but, but you know what this you know what John is saying? He's saying, Games, you're not alone. He said, You got a lot of friends here with me, where I'm at. Our friends salute thee. Our friends are praying for you, Gaius. Our friends are pulling for you, Gaius. Our friends are on their knees asking God to help you through this, Gaius. You are not alone. You've got a lot of friends here. How many follow that so far? Okay, look at the rest of verse 14. Not only does they say, our friends salute thee. Notice the last part of verse 14. Greet the friends by name. So John is saying, our friends say hi to you. Our friends say, let, let Gaius know we're praying. Our friends say, hey, Gaius, you are not alone. Now he says at the end of verse 14, greet the friends. John is saying this now, greet the friends by name. You know what he's saying? He says, you've got a lot of friends here, Gaius. And you've got a lot of friends with you where you're at create the friends by name. He said, yes, you're not alone. Could I say to you, fourth, in a church problem, you need to be comforted because you are not alone. You have many friends with you. You know, sometimes trouble, and sometimes a troublemaker is so loud that you can't hear anybody else. And you think they represent everybody. They don't. You know, through the scriptures, there's a number of occasions. Remember, remember when Aaron made the golden calf? And you kind of remember that. And when Aaron made that golden calf, that many of those Jews fell down and worshiped that calf and danced around the calf and tore off their clothes. And, and you know, I, I've heard that story so many times that it almost seems like All of Israel was dancing around that golden calf. And yet if you check in Exodus 32, there was only, now careful, there was only 3,000. See, that's a lot of people, not when you compare it to 2 million Jews in total. It was a very small percentage of that nation that did that. Do you know when you uh, read there about Korah, when Korah raised up a rebellion against Moses, And Korah said, you you take too much upon yourselves. We're all holy. You know, it it almost seems like the entire nation went against Moses. But the truth is, when that was done, there was only 253. That's not very many out of 2 million. When Absalom raised his rebellion against his father, that wasn't the whole nation of Israel. Do you remember that one time where Elisha was in the city of Dothan? Remember, the Syrian army came against this walled city and and camped all around it. And Elisha's servant said, My my master, how shall we do? (laughs) Look at them all. And Elisha said, Listen, there are more that are with us than are against us. And Elisha prayed and said, God, open this young man's eyes. And there was horses and chariots of fire all around that city. What I'm trying to say to you, fourth, is when you're amidst church trouble, be comforted, you are not alone. There is a host of people, and they might not voice their opinion, but you are not alone. i give you fifth thing real quick, uh, Third John. Look there in verse 13. 3 John, verse 13, I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. Preacher, what else do we learn about a church trouble? The fifth thing, be cautious. Be cautious. You say, be cautious about what? Be cautious about what you write and what you say. Notice what he says in verse 13. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write under the I I think I think John's plan when he pulled out a piece of paper was to write a much longer letter to Gaius than fourteen verses. He says that I had many things to write. And I wonder if the Spirit of God said, John, it would be best not to write some. I say to you in the midst of a church trouble be cautious be cautious what you write be cautious what you text be cautious what you post be cautious what you email You say, preacher why because in a written document you don't normally have the same tone and intent be careful Things that are written sometimes with these texts, they spell correct it. And the spell correct made a worse job. <laughs> we support Steve Donley. I was trying to encourage him, and I sent a text, and I was very new to texting. I'm still new. And I wrote Dear Brother Donley, do you know that that, that wicked instrument changed it from Donley to donkey? And so I wrote, Dear Brother Donkey. And I didn't know it till after I hit the scent. As soon as I read that, I thought, oh my, do you understand why you need to be careful what you write? I tried to fix it. And so I quickly, oh, Brother Donnelly, it changed it again. And I had to purposely go back and fix it. Preacher, why should I be careful what I write? First of all, it normally doesn't have the same tone that you intended. Secondly, spell correct will get you in bigger trouble yet. Third, things that you think that you're writing to a friend may in some time future be sent to an enemy. And the fourth thing that you ought to be careful is once you write it, you can never take it back. You can never take it back. I give you a sixth thing. Look there in verse 14. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Peace be to thee. Could I say this, number six? Don't be a casualty. Don't be a casualty. Now, all the rest were be, but now don't be. Don't be a casualty. Notice that John said to Gaius, Peace be to thee. Do you know when John wrote that to Gaius, this problem wasn't solved yet? There was still this strife going on in the church. And yet, John suggested that Gaius, even in the midst of that trouble, could still have peace. Folks, your peace does not hinge upon no trouble. Your peace hinges on your walk with God and your talk with God. And if the world is crashing around you, you can still have peace. If you don't have peace because the world is crashing around you, then your peace is fixed to the wrong thing then you're not in your Bible and doing what your Bible tells you to do in the midst of that. Um, you're in 3 John. Keep it, because i got one more thing. But back up there to 1 Peter. I, I kind of mentioned this this morning. 1 Peter, and, and it was the very next text for me to read in my daily Bible reading, 1 Peter chapter 2. And, and, and uh, I was struggling with something was struggling with something that I felt somebody had said that was unfair. I'm praying, Lord, I need your help. I need your help how to deal with this. Look what God gave me in my Bible reading. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, that's what I was dealing with, folks, in here. You know what that verse says? You've got to put all that aside. But you know what? The, you have to put all of that aside. Yeah, but how about how that? You have, Carlson, you have to put all of that out of your heart or it'll destroy you. Look at verse 2. Instead of those things festering in your heart, As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. He said, don't let those verse one things in your heart. They'll destroy you. Let those verse two things in your heart. Get in the word of God. Give God the chance to speak to your heart. I'm saying to you, the sixth B Don't be a casualty. Don't let this present problem knock you out. Don't do it. You know, I was going to title this message, When a Church is Passing Through Troubles. Why would you call it that? B sound better. Because every trouble a church has, God will get you to the other side. God will get you through it. The question isn't, can God get you through it? The question is, are you going to still be in the church when God gets the church through it? Or is that thing going to knock you out? You need, whatever it is, whatever church you're in, when, whatever the issue is at that time, You need to pray, Lord, would you please give me peace, even in the midst of this thing. Don't let me be a casualty. Don't let this thing knock me out. I say the the sixth B is don't be a casualty. Don't let this present problem knock you out. I'll give you the last thing. There in 3 John, verse 1. Third John and verse one, the elder unto the well beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. It's pretty obvious. John loves this man Gaius. Now look there in verse number nine. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who love to have the preeminence among them receiveth us not. Wherefore if I come, I'll remember. <laughs> Could I say the last thing? Be clear. Be clear. Uh, we, we've said so far, be confident. God knows what's happening. Be convinced. God has his people in place to fix it. Be careful that you're not led away by that evil crowd. Fourth, be comforted. You're not alone. You have many friends with you. Fifth, be cautious about what you write and what you say. Sixth, don't be a casualty. Don't let this present problem knock you out. The last one is be clear. On what side you stand? It's pretty clear where John's at. John says, Gaius, I love you. And John said, Gaius, you are doing the right thing. You have a sweet spirit, and you're walking in the truth, and you love God, and you love God's people. No question where John was with Gaius. There was also no question where John was with Diotrephes. Could I say this? Be clear. Be clear where you're at. Remember Eli. We won't turn to it. 1 Samuel 1. Horrible problems going on for 1 Samuel 1 on the tabernacle. Horrible problems. There, there, there was immorality in the house of God. There was drunkenness in the house of God. It, it, it got so bad that Eli didn't know where people stood on that whole thing. He didn't know what position they were taking. So much so that when Hannah came to the house of God and knelt to pray at that altar... And she was praying that God would bless her with a son. Her lips were moving, but she wasn't praying out loud. And Eli, this preacher, watching her lips move, came to the conclusion that she must be drunk. Was his conclusion right or was it wrong? It was wrong. It was dead wrong. And he said, how long? And and He was scolding her. She didn't deserve the scolding. Why did that happen? Because he didn't know where she was in the whole problem. Bless her heart. She forgave the man of God for jumping to conclusions. And she said, oh, thou man of God. She had respect for him. She loved him. Count me not as one of the daughters of Belial. She made it very clear that she was not on side with the sin and the immorality and the drunkenness. She made it very clear, Eli, I'm not against you. I'm for you. I'm not against this church. I'm for it. I'm not against God. I'm for Him. I'm not. Uh, I'm not against right. I'm for it. I say the last thing is be clear. No question where John was in all of this. Preacher, I don't want to take sides. I just want to stay neutral. I I want to be kind to all sides. Folks, when you find somebody that's trying to hurt your church, it's not kind to be kind to those that are hurting your church. There's going to come a time where you're going to have to say, stop. This is my church. You're hurting God's people. Take your poison somewhere else. You say, well, preacher, I, I, I don't want to take sides. You're going to have to take sides when someone begins to throw malicious words with the intent of getting people out of the church. You're going to have to make it clear. Years ago, I heard this. If you heard it, make it out like you've never heard it before. Someone made a clear statement, and, and they said, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will not look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, or first, or tops, or recognized, or praised, or regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, love by patience, live by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gait is fast, my goal is heaven The road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, I'll not negotiate at the table of the enemy. I'll not ponder at the pool of popularity. I'll not meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, back up, let up, shut up until I have prayed up, preached up, stored up, and stayed up the cause of Jesus Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go on until he returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes, and when he comes to get his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me, for my colors fly high, and they are clear for all to see. Pretty clear. Is it clear to people where are you stand? Let's pray. Father, we have looked, we, we've ended this book of Third John, and Lord, uh, no one would argue that there was a difficulty in this particular church. And really, John, of the 14 verses, John gave two verses to talk about dogtrophies, trouble, and, and he just minimized, he didn't talk much, he just gave us enough to understand what the trouble was. The Lord, 11 of these 14 verses we're used to talk about Gaius, that good man, that faithful man, that loyal man. John was pretty clear where he stood. Now, Lord, whether it's this church going through trouble or another church that someone attends and they're going through trouble there, he told us some bees that would help us in any church trouble. Help us.